The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Punt Intended, a fantasy NBA dynasty podcast. I'm your host, Rhett Bauer, joined as always by my co-host, Travis Fuller. Hey, Rhett, how are we doing today? Took a little bit of a hiatus, about a week off for us both, but we're ready to get back into it. We've got October coming up here in about a month. Basketball's on its way. It is most definitely on the way, and we did take a hiatus, and when that happened, of course, there was breaking news like every other day. So <laughs> first things first, your Chicago Bulls finally got somebody to take Lori Markinen and uh, made out pretty well, I think. So the overall trade was Lori Markinen sign and trade to Cleveland, Larry Nance to the Portland Trailblazers, and then Derek Jones Jr. and a 2022 first to Chicago. What do you think about this deal? So at first, I, I just felt like everybody... And even myself a little bit at first, really just everybody thought Cleveland lost this deal right away. Moving Nance, I know Nance, I believe he's from the Cleveland area, really liked the team, wanted to be there, and then they end up moving him anyway. But the more I think about it, the more I look at marketing on that team, they are in desperate need of some outside shooting, and he at the very least can do that. Absolutely. The other guy on their roster that can shoot is Kevin Love. And that's pretty much it. Like Darius Garland is a shooter. Colin Sexton is a scorer, not so much a shooter, but they, they have no spacing between Jared Allen, who they gave a big contract to Isaac Okoro, who they're heavily invested in last year with a draft pick. And then Evan Mobley this year, who eventually will be a good shooter. Maybe he's got the tools for it, but right now he just isn't. And that's a great point to note. I, I feel like we've, when we talk up Mobley, uh, consensus, you know, number two overall pick in our dynasty rookie drafts because he has that potential to, to stretch out from range, shoot from 15 feet, eventually get to that three point line, but he's not there yet. And that's something that's really important to note that he's not a great knockdown shooter. He's not a seven footer that can step out from three right now. So that's he's not coming in as Jaron Jackson jr. Yeah, ex- exactly. And, and we do think he's going to eventually get there. Uh, he does have a nice shot. He's pretty okay from the free throw line. So I do eventually see him extending his range out, but we don't know when that's going to be. It might take him a few years to develop and be able to do that consistently. So that's something to note too. I just felt like his hype coming in to the league, people just assume that he's a great shooter and is going to be able to help you out in threes as well as a big. And that's just not the case. So first off, I hated it for Cleveland because I just don't think Lori Markkinen is that good of a player. I know he had a really good season a couple of years ago, both for fantasy and in real life. And he does shoot, which is obviously why he got paid as much as he did. But at the timing for him to get that much money from a team like Cleveland, which has Jared Allen just getting a big deal, like I said, but also Colin Sexton coming up, it just didn't make a ton of sense. But as far as dynasty value goes, I don't think Mobley is that affected. He's a rookie. They obviously believed in him quite a bit to take him where they did. He'll be coming off the bench now, and I think we talked about it before the podcast started, but he's just going to lose a couple minutes. It's not that big of a deal for his long term. They will be doing a disservice if they don't see what he looks like next to 
Jared Allen and Laurie Markkinen potentially playing all three at the same time if Mobley is as skinny as some people have been talking about him as potentially a three, which would be crazy to me being just that big in the front court. <laughs> but I mentioned Kevin Love. This just gets worse for him. If it can even get worse, I'm, he's not an asset. He's not anything other than somebody contending teams pick up and hope the best for. But does does anybody else on Cleveland get changed with this move? I don't think so. I I think Markkinen steps in. Um, I believe he's going to start for that team. I think Mobley is going to come off the bench. Uh, that could obviously change, you know, as soon as the season starts midway through the year. But it makes a lot of sense to insert Markkinen into that starting lineup at least to start the season. Let Mobley come off the bench at either the four or five, uh, since he is versatile. And yeah, I don't think it really hurts anybody in that front court other than maybe Kevin Love. I know the buyout talks with Kevin Love seem to have stalled and it doesn't seem to be a like a buyout is coming anytime soon, but that could also change very quickly. Or maybe not even have happened yet if Twitter is to believe, which we all know is not the case. Moving on to the Portland side of things, they get Larry Nance and they send out Derek Jones Jr., who generally just wasn't in their rotation very much last year. It's a huge win for Portland. Nance is good. He's really good. And last year for fantasy, he was really good. He will not have the same role in Portland that he was playing in Cleveland with how many injuries they had in the front court. Kevin Love out, and they didn't have Jared Allen yet. So they do have Nurkic. They do have Robert Covington. And they do have Cody Zeller, who we were excited about and are no longer excited about. Yeah, I was a really big fan of Cody Zeller coming into this season. And the main reason was just Nurkic's health issues the past couple of years. I thought there was a clear path for Zeller to get close to 20 minutes in a backup role with upside to potentially be the starter if Nurkic ever goes down. We saw that last year with Cantor stepping in, uh, playing some big minutes, and he was a double-double machine there for a big stretch of the season. Uh, but yeah, with with this move now, Nance is so versatile. He can play a small five. He will play the backup four behind Covington. I think that hurts Zeller's minutes. I don't see him sniffing 20 minutes this year, uh, depending upon how that rotation works out. It's just hard to see unless there's an injury to Nurkic where uh, Zeller is going to be either the starter or the backup to Nance. A couple other players affected on Portland. Robert Covington, I think, goes down just a tiny bit because he's a lot less relied on. But what he does doesn't require usage, and so he should continue to get as many minutes as he got last year. Nasir Little, I think, goes up because Derek Jones Jr. coming out is more minutes on the wing, even though Nance does come in. It's just, it seems like they need to see what Nasir Little can do. We're going into year three of Nasir Little, and he's only played 13 minutes a game in his second year. He may not get as much run on a team that wants to be good, but they should be seeing what they have in him. Do you agree? Yeah, and we know Larry Nance has health issues of his own. That's... Really, and Roko isn't exactly a Iron Man either. And and that's yeah, and that's been Nance's biggest issue when he was with Cleveland was yes, he was super productive when he was able to play, but he just had a hard time staying on the court for a full season. He always seemed to miss 15 to 20 games or so. So yeah, if if Nance goes down with those nagging injuries, Little is going to have to play. He's going to be that backup four. And you know, it's interesting to see what he can do in, like you said, year three where Hopefully he is making a big leap. Absolutely. Moving on to your Chicago Bulls. 
I liked Derek Jones Jr. to the Bulls. Uh, first off, getting anything for Laurie Markkinen I felt like was good, but especially getting a guy in Derek Jones Jr. who I think can be something on a team that didn't have wings and then to get a first-round pick was awesome. And then Chicago signed a bunch of wings. Alizé Johnson coming over from Brooklyn and then Stanley Johnson coming from Toronto. They may not have believed in him as much as we thought or was hoping. Yeah, it was re- really interesting when he when he came over. There was a little bit of excitement because everybody knew the Bulls needed help on the wing. They needed a little bit of length at the four position behind Pat Will, behind Demar Derozan. So I thought DJJ was going to be that guy, but who knows? Now they're all of a sudden there's a ton of competition. Alize Johnson makes a lot of sense coming off the bench to either play next to Vooch or, or Tony Bradley, or maybe even play the five himself. Um, there's a lot of different options that they could go with. So I, I'm not as high on Derek Jones Jr. As I was when this trade uh, initially occurred. For those of you out there who don't know, Alize Johnson used to be a pacer and he had a 20 and 20 game against the Pacers on the Brooklyn Nets and Chicago and Indiana are in the same division. So just make sure Alize is in your starting lineup when he's playing the Pacers. He'll get you 20 and 20 and, and then you can just be happy for that week. Next question is also about the Pacers. They said, what is the Pacers dynasty impact with Warren and now Sumner having significant injuries. So Warren is out indefinitely. We thought he was going to be ready for training camp. He had played five on five and tweeted about that. He had fun playing basketball and then apparently had a setback to the point where they're not sure when he will come back. And then Edmund Sumner tore his Achilles in practice and it sucks so bad. Like Pacers fans will tell you he's just the best. And he came in with an ACL injury. That's why he was drafted so late. I don't know. I love Edmund Sumner. So I'm going to stop talking about it, but from a dynasty perspective, what do you think this means for the Pacers? Yeah, for, so first to start, the big news that we really weren't expecting was, was like you mentioned, TJ Warren being out indefinitely. I mean, they don't even have a timeline on this guy yet. It really seems like it's week to week with him on how he feels and just getting back into game shape. But luckily, the Pacers have a lot of depth. They have a lot of players that they can insert into that starting lineup. And a guy I know we both like as a role player is Justin Holiday. Played 30 minutes last year, had over two threes and a steal per game. And I, I think he's going to be right back in that starting lineup playing 30 minutes a night. He should be because shooting 41% in 1920 and then 38% in 2021 on five threes and seven threes a game is not something you're just going to put on the bench when you have injuries. The only hesitation I would have for that is the chance that Chris Duarte is just as good of a shooter. And then you're not going to play Justin holiday over your pick 13 rookie. Like you just, you need to have him in the, in the lineup, but Warren being out definitely helps O'Shea Brissett in my mind, because that makes O'Shea one of the only true power forwards on the roster. Miles Turner is not a power forward. Demontis Simone is not a power forward, regardless if they play with each other one of them has to be in that spot Tory Craig they brought over which is new from last year is also going to be getting some of those minutes but depending on how the season goes O'Shea could get just as much run as he did last year yeah and that's really interesting because he was pretty solid when he was on the court at least on the defensive end and grabbing rebounds and he's still somewhat young so it'll be interesting to see what how that rotation shakes out I'm still not 
as high on him as you are, even with the Warren news. I, I see this team really needing shooting. And if they are starting Sabonis and Turner, uh, Holiday just makes a ton of sense to have out there. Duarte had, makes a lot of sense to put out there. And I, I just kind of see O'Shea battling for minutes at the four position with Torrey Craig. O'Shea will not start. He's not a three. He's a four. He, he would not be a good fit in that starting lineup. So if you're an O'Shea Brissett holder, hoping that this TJ Warren injury means he slides into the three, I highly, highly doubt that. If you have Chris Duarte or you're looking at your rookie drafts, I think Duarte would be a good selection potentially earlier than we may have thought because he could get extra run. And then obviously when you have a starter go out, that typically means more shots for other starters. So I think Sabonis and Lavert are probably going to have a little bit more responsibility in terms of play finishing, even though their minutes probably go down from last year playing under Bjorkren. And Justin Holiday is not a guy you're going out to trade for, but if he's, if he's there on the waivers, uh, if you're in a smaller 12 team league, he's definitely rosterable. Uh, and, you know, last year, like I said, played 30 minutes, averaged over two threes and grabbed you a steal. That's definitely ownable. Moving on to our first trade option. This guy asked if we would trade DeAndre Ayton for Jamal Murray, pick 16 in a rookie draft, and then a 2022 first from a team that had the first overall pick this year. So it's probably going to be a pretty good first. I would probably do that, but it also matters that the guy who has Aiton ha- also has Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz. So his team is rebuilding to the extreme with some other injured players that Jamal Murray would just slide right in and make his pick way better next year. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Aiton. I, I think he's going to get better. He'll continue to improve. Uh, we know what Jamal Murray is. Unfortunately, he had the ACL injury. He'll be out most of this season. But look for him to bounce back. He's young enough. Uh, he, he just has a really solid all-around game. And I agree with you. I, I would do this deal. Obviously, it's kind of build-dependent, but it sounds like this team is more of just rebuilding, uh, trying to just add talent. And when healthy, Jamal Murray is very similar to DeAndre Ayton in terms of rankings. Um, and not only that, you're adding a couple picks as well. One that's potentially uh, could be in that that top five, top eight, along with his own first round pick, which, which seems like it's going to be somewhat high as well. So when you're bad and when you're a team that's, that's tanking the more and more assets that you can collect, it's definitely worthwhile. And it's not like he's getting ripped off going from Aiton to Jamal Murray by any means. Exactly. Especially when, like we said, he's already got two guys that are coming into the season injured. He'll have like a six week head start on tanking with, with Murray, <laughs> Isaac and Fultz to where he'll just lock up that number one pick for next year early and then uh, then have a really good core moving forward. So next trade, really simple. The guy's punting free throw percentage, but he was wondering if he should trade John Collins for OG Ananobi and that is as even as it gets in terms of dynasty rankings and overall outlook, but his team kind of makes it lean one direction. No. Yeah. Immediately. I said, John Collins, I think John Collins gets slept on a little bit too much. Uh, He's just a really solid player. He doesn't hurt you anywhere other than maybe obviously the assist, but I mean, great at both percentages. He's going to get you close to 20 points, 10 boards. I think this year was his floor. He, he didn't put together a great season this year, 17 and seven, but he was really important for them in the playoffs. And he didn't even average 30 minutes during the season. So 
I look for him to have a nice bounce back year. He got paid. Uh, I think he's going to go out there and show what he can do. But uh, looking at that team that he had, uh, he really needed steals. And if you need steals, OG is a guy that's absolutely going to help you in that category. Not only that, but he has some bigs already. He's got Mitchell Robinson, Zion Williamson, Bam Adebayo, Wendell Carter Jr. So he's got some bigs. But I think De'Aaron Fox is his only guy that's over a steal and a half. And Garland maybe two. Bam, I guess, is over a steal. But everybody else is going to be pretty close to under a steal. And that's just not going to be good enough if you're punting free throw percentage, especially when, if you'll notice, all the bigs that I listed, they don't hit threes either. So you're going to need points, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. Like, you're going to need that. And so you will take a hit in boards going from Collins's nine or 10 to OG's six, but percentages won't get hurt that much more. OG's ridiculous in steals. And it looks like OG might even have more responsibility this year. He closed the season out in a way that was very impressive, handling the ball, creating offense. And they took Scotty Barnes instead of Jalen Suggs. So OG could be in for a big, big year. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point to mention. It does seem like OG is still ascending. Uh, we, we don't, we, I don't think we've seen his best year by far yet. So uh, that's, that's a good thing to mention where, whereas Collins is just that really steady presence. I, I don't see Collins ever falling outside of the top 50 at the end of the year rankings, just because his game is just so steady and, and so solid for fantasy. For sure. So we have another question and it's got a bit of a preamble to it. It says dynasty is so much about potential. We all love rookies and young players, which is very true. Some of you, some of us love them way too much, <laughs> but when should we officially throw in the towel? Is there a year when you give up on a player? Am I crazy to think that it typically takes four years to see what a guy is going to be? And the answer to that is maybe because there's no, there's no specific year that any player is going to have enough of a sample size to make that much of a judgment call on. And, and you may be thinking that that's not the case, but let me elaborate because you need to see enough of the player in a couple different roles to be able to know whether or not they're going to be good. And then you also need to see how much that team is investing in that player to know whether or not they're going to continue to be put in roles to best optimize what they can do. And we were talking about it when we typed this question out. Jarrett Culver is a great example of this because he was a number six pick. I loved him going to Minnesota because they didn't have any wings. And then all of a sudden this last year, they got Anthony Edwards, they got Jaden McDaniels, and they still had Josh Akogi. And then they traded for D'Angelo Russell, which is another ball handler, which takes away from what Culver is best at because he's not a shooter. So on Minnesota... Culver made no sense because he just wasn't going to play. What he's bad at is glaring on that team. What he's good at is he's not good enough to warrant taking the ball from other players. But now that he's on Memphis, is Memphis going to be that dedicated to putting him in his ideal role? I doubt it. But then you got guys like Jalen Brown who were bad. They were just not good. Both percentages were bad. But you could see that Boston was dedicated to getting him reps. And now all of a sudden he's a top 25 dynasty asset. Yeah. And RJ Barrett's another good one to mention exactly. where had a really down rookie year and, and just showed drastic improvement last year. And who knows what, what he'll be in year three, but it's, it's looking really promising for him to, to me. That's 
Um, it's a minimum of three years for me. Anytime I take a player within that top 10 range or, or that lottery range, obviously can't overreact on their based on the rookie season. And I try not to overreact too much based on year two, uh, depending upon their situation. Another guy that, that I like who I don't want to overreact on year two is like a Cam Reddish because he showed the flashes. He just, his situation doesn't provide him to do more. And that's not really his fault yet. Um, but the talent is there. So somebody like that is, is why you want to hang on to some players. Now there's other players who are given minutes and given opportunity and just aren't producing, aren't improving like a Culver who just isn't able to improve that jump shot. Like we thought he might be able to. Um, so in that case, that's where I start to maybe look towards other guys, because as we know, in dynasty every year, we get new draft classes coming in and it's, it's just a filtering process on bringing in the new and out with the old. You're exactly right. And, and like I said, just pay attention to what the team thinks of him and what roles they're giving that player, how invested they seem to be in playing them the first year, the, the first two years. I think year three is a pretty good guideline to go off of, but there's no certainty. There's absolutely no specific year. So if you have somebody specific that you're interested in knowing whether or not it's time to throw in the towel, like Culver, then let us know and we'll be able to tell you. So now we get into the selfish part of the podcast where I talk about my trades because I made two of them here recently. I traded Nikola Vucevic, number 27 overall in our rookie draft, number 28 for Fred Van Vliet, 34 and 38. How do you think I did? I thought you did well, really well, actually. You got the, the younger player. Obviously, Vooch is, is really good, a, a top 10 guy last year. I think he's going to be top 25 again this year. But man, I think FVV is in for a big season as well. Andy's only 27. But not to mention, you were able to work in a pick swap there, not just giving away picks. You are getting some back, uh, even though they're a little bit later rounds. But overall, when you're getting a player that's comparable and younger, I, I always think uh, you're going to be winning that trade. Exactly. Fred has been about a top 20 player the last three years. Vooch has been right around there as well. So moving back seven spots and 10 spots for my two picks in the third round of a, of a rookie draft to move three years up in the age bracket and up like 15 spots in our dynasty rankings is easily worth it. But then there I was minding my own business with Fred Van Vliet and you came in with Jalen Brown. Come, I had to come knocking on your door with Jalen. I know you wanted him. Uh, I wanted FEV. It was a match made in heaven. It really was. I traded Jalen away a couple of years ago and have regretted it literally every single day since. And uh, so I'm glad to get him back. Really what it was, was you opened the door to allow Fred VanVleet to be traded because he was owned by a Raptors owner who has never, ever made him available. And you sent a ludicrous offer to him, which he declined, which is even more ludicrous. Then he put him on the block. And about five minutes later, I had the trade done and executed. Yeah, with my punt field goal build, I really needed to focus on improving my free throw percentage. And I was floating Jalen out there, but I, I really wanted to get a guy that's, that's going to drastically improve my team uh, at all the stats I care about. And FEV was that guy for me. And I, I absolutely had to get him and, and 
if I had to give up Jalen and, and maybe lose a little bit of value in terms of the dynasty trade itself, I think most people consensus would choose the Jalen Brown side over FVV. But for my intents and purposes, my team, I, I needed the steals. I needed the assists. And more importantly, I needed to ensure that my free throw percentage stays uh, at or above 80%. With how top heavy our 12 team league is, it makes sense for you to take a little bit of a loss in the dynasty aspect of this, at least the age potential aspect of this to get the win now to pair with Dame and Harden and Jokic and Beal and Tatum. His team's stacked. Let's just, it's, it's not a good representation of a 12 team league. It's, but, it's not at all. <laughs> don't pay any attention to our 12 team. No, no, don't do that. So, Overall, my summer has been trading LeBron, Westbrook, Vooch, and Drew for Ben Simmons, Wendell Carter Jr., Jalen Brown, and Kawhi Leonard with some picks thrown around one way or another as well. And I am happy about that relative to the position I was in coming into the summer. Yeah, a really good retool for you this summer. Uh, not too bad. couple of months for you to, to not only get younger, but not even get worse. I, I think your team is is right there where it was last year. Uh, if you can stay healthy um, and get get an Anthony Davis back to playing like an all-star, like you know you can, you're going to be right up there with the rest of us. I won't be, but it's fine. I'm I'm way younger <laughs> now. So I got, I got like a decade younger uh, once you consider that I send out a bunch of 36-year-olds. Thank you very much for tuning in. We really appreciate all of the support we get. As always, please give us a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. We're up to 22 ratings on Apple Podcasts, which is excellent. If we get to about 35, we'll probably do another mailbag just in case you guys have some more questions. If we have some onesies and twosies in between then and now, we'll throw them in at the beginning of the pods if we have the time to do so. We'll definitely be ramping up the episodes here soon now that we've got our hiatus out of the way and the season is really starting to, to close in on us. We've got a lot of stuff coming out. We had our updated Dynasty rankings come out not that long ago, last episode, and then we talked about that. So please, if you're a Fantasy Pass subscriber, go check that out. Let us know what you think. We're obviously making adjustments to those as things happen, like the Laurie Markkinen sign-and-trade, the TJ Warren injury, Sumner injury, and just generally any sort of moves. We're, we're making changes on trying to do so on a weekly basis, just trying to give you the most up-to-date information possible. We're planning on doing a punt-intended Dynasty mock draft for both the podcast and then an article I will put on hoop hoop-ball.com. So if you're interested in that, find me on Twitter, find Travis on Twitter, find us on Discord, wherever you can reach us and let us know that you want to be involved because you saw what we did with our 30 team. We we gave some good picks, some bad picks, and some interesting picks. So if you think you're gonna be good and you want to be in the in the good pick section or you want to just get better and want to be in the bad pick section. We would love to have you. Yeah. We won't call you out too bad. Like we, like we did before. Uh, we're not going to name names or anything like that. And, and like I said, everybody has their own opinions and that's what makes these mock drafts fun um, and helps kind of educate all of us on, on where guys are going and how to value players. Cause it's ever changing in dynasty. Always fun to talk about, especially when you consider that our dynasty rankings are posted. So you can have a pretty good idea of who we're going to take. So if you want to take advantage of that, we'll be more than happy to have you. Find me on Twitter 
at Rhett underscore Bauer, R-H-E-T-T underscore B-A-U-E-R. Find Travis on Twitter at Travis underscore Fuller 92. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you again next time. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.